Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. On Trending, we're taking everything from dating relationship questions. I'll be joined in just a moment by Christina Pineda, a celebrity and royal matchmaker. She can be found at matchmakersinthecity.com. Now, I want to unpack today the fascinating topic later today about Mississippi banning sex change procedures for minors. It's really interesting because Mississippi is um, really kind of walking a line that many Republican-run states are choosing to toe the line with, and that is outlawing sex change procedures for minors, but also preventing cross-sex hormones from being pushed on minors as well. So it's really an interesting thing that's happening right now because we're uncharted legal battle right now. And it will be, I think, explained and seen in many ways uh, in the months and years to come. We'll touch on that in just a little bit here on Trending. And while we're discussing that, I'd love to see if you have any input based on the battle uh, here in your state that you're experiencing. Uh, We'll talk a little bit later on as well about some questions that have come up about in vitro fertilization and its impact on marriage as we've talked a lot recently about um, in vitro fertilization, a lot of conversation with infertility crisis. Uh, So many people have come out saying they've done it from Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, Jennifer Aniston, uh, some successfully, many unsuccessfully. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit here on Trending. Joining me now is celebrity and world matchmaker Christina Pineda and we're going to talk about Emma Thompson British actress Emma Thompson you may know her from a handful of movies uh, some of which including you know a movie I enjoyed Sense and Sensibilities I'm not a huge rom-com individual um, but she's been in some interesting ones over the years Love Actually being one that she's very well known for in the early 2000s but she made some interesting comments recently uh, talking about what she thought about love. And she made a comment saying that romantic love is a dangerous myth and talked about kind of this idea that we need a massive pinch of salt with regards to the reality of relationships. So one of the topics kind of I want to throw in there is kind of this idea of is marriage really hopeless? 
Is love and intimacy um, something we shouldn't expect within relationships, or do we need to have a perspective shift? And is this perhaps uh, what actress Emma Thompson is referring to after her past experience with relationships? So joining me now to unpack is relationship expert, celebrity, and royal matchmaker Christina Pineda from Matchmakers in the City. Welcome back to Trending, Christina. Thanks, Tamri. So good to be with you, both in newborn land, but still still talking on the radio. <laughs> yes. Congratulations again to your second baby. We've kind of been neck and neck having our first and second children within just about two months of each other both times now. So I understand where you're at. Thanks for joining us. Um, let's talk about this important topic. Uh, I think it is really fascinating as you know, influencers or someone such as Emma Thompson, well known for romance comedies, comes out talking specifically about her thoughts on love and romance, saying that it's a dangerous myth. Can you give a little bit of background for those who don't know on... British actress Emma Thompson's relationship background before we unpack what she said. Yes. Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh met on set and and started a number of movies together, including Beatrice and Benedict and Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, which he directed in 1993, where, as usual, they had electric chemistry. They married in 1987 and they had a beautiful, lavish fairy tale wedding. And then he ended up having an affair with Helena Bonham Carter, another actress who he had been in a movie with. I think it was Frankenstein. And that led to their, led to Emma Thompson and his divorce. And this was really shocking for a lot of people at the time because they looked like the perfect couple. They had such amazing chemistry. But Emma, and also if someone has followed Emma Thompson's career and seen the movie Love Actually, she, in this interview that she did, revealed that the necklace scene from the 2003 romantic comedy Love Actually was actually inspired by her first husband, Kenneth Branagh's alleged mm -hmm. um, affair with Helena Bonham Carter. And if so those that... don't know the context of that, basically in the movie, um, the wife finds a necklace that she thought was a gift for her. It wasn't. She just got this lousy CD and the gift was actually for the person he was having an affair with. And so she uses that to say like she had all the emotion of finding out she was che being cheated on herself in a somewhat similar circumstance uh, to act out that scene that was just being relived for her in many ways. Oh yeah, it is heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking scene. And she said in this, in her interview, that she was utterly, utterly blind. This is her quote to the fact that he had relationships with other women on set. Then she said, what I learned was how easy it is to be blinded by your own desire to deceive yourself. I thought that was a very interesting, poignant comment. And the other thing, the other interesting fact about this, they got the divorce and then Kenneth Branagh went on to have a relationship with Helena Bonham Carter, but they ended up breaking things off after a few years too. So you can just see romantic love again and again being actually destroying itself in, in these circumstances. But this reminded me of a bachelorette who I had coached 
who had recently moved to LA from the East Coast. And she was telling me that she had dated so many immature men in college and she moved to LA. She wanted to start a new life here in LA and to meet, she wanted to meet her future husband. She wanted to get married. She wanted to have children. So she was ready for those things and just desperately wanted them to happen. And then in came a man and I'll call him Marcus. That's not actually his name, but she met him at an event and he was extremely attractive. They had incredible chemistry. He quickly pursued her and brought her to the most fabulous Hollywood rooftops and hotspots. She loved the lifestyle that he was exposing her to. And this ended up leading her to ignore many of the red flags that popped up during their courtship, um, namely his drinking habits and lack of reliability. She even confessed to me that she cried in the bathroom at a restaurant one time when they were, she was at a dinner that her parents had, were coming into town and they were treating her and supposed to be treating Marcus to this dinner, but he ended up sleeping through the dinner and never actually getting there. And it was so embarrassing for her, but she kept giving him second chances because of the chemistry and that romance, that romantic love mm -hmm. that they experienced. And then, but then his lies finally caught up to him and she was unable to ignore the writing on the wall any longer. And, but she did tell me that she felt her heart had felt constricted the whole relationship, even though she had such highs when they were together and just that real roller coaster intensity that's very exciting when you're in it. But then she did reveal that when she broke up with him, she feared that she would be devastated, but she actually finally felt free. Hmm. So that was also an, just an interesting point about this that right being bound you, by those emotions that entanglement of the the novel feeling and being wooed by another individual versus the need for real relationships and connection that takes work yes exactly exactly I want to unpack real quick here for those who maybe haven't heard the comment. So what was said by actress Emma Thompson that really sparked this conversation about whether or not romantic love is a myth uh, was Emma Thompson said it's incredibly philosophically calming and helpful and uplifting to remember that romantic love is a myth and actually quite dangerous. And we do have to take it with a massive pinch of salt. And she talks about the importance of uh, thinking sensibly about love and the way it grows. And, you know, what happens in order for long-term relationships to occur. But what's interesting is she mentions romantic love is a myth. Uh, she says it's dangerous and you have to take it with a massive pinch of salt. Christina, I kind of want to unpack those three ideas because I think each of them are significant. We live in a culture where people say, well, okay, is a long-term relationship hopeless then? Should mm -hmm. I expect to never feel satisfied? Or I would argue, I think the solution is from a Catholic perspective, that relationships really do take work. And I think that Emma Thompson, in a certain respect, is on to something, but at the same time, um, without fully teasing this out, uh, isn't taking that next step. So when she says it's a myth, I think that that's important to say because you're not always going to feel wooed in a relationship. Novelty is something that we are wired as human beings to seek out. 
in that novelty of a new relationship or the new season of engagement or the new season of marriage or the new season of children, they come and go and there are a lot of arguably blah moments in comparison to the initial novelties of these seasons or first dating. And so I think that that side of it is a myth, that it's always going to feel so wooing and exciting and novel to us. Right, right. That's true. Because romantic love is wonderful if it is combined with the necessary qualities for a healthy relationship. It shouldn't be an end in itself. And Mm -hmm. I say this because I've also coached a lot of many bachelorettes and who keep searching for the firework connection on the first date. And then they end up in these dead end situationships because they're not looking for the other pieces that, that actually can make a relationship work and a marriage work. And I was looking at the USCCB about marriage and what they say about it. And they say That's the that United ma- States Catholic Conference of Bishops, for those who don't know. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Tori. <laughs> yes. But... It's marital love is marked by faithfulness, permanence, and openness to life. And it is God who calls husband and wife to be an image of his own love in the world. And that means it is, it is this love is reliable. This love is, is open to life, but also able to provide for children, able to be a reliable person to pick up children at the, at the, at school or, if you're dating someone who doesn't show those qualities, they're going to do the same thing to your kids. That's why it's really important to to look for those other components while you're dating. And But there is still something, uh, that romantic love that brings two people together to want to get married that can't be ignored. And I think that's what you're pinpointing here on on Emma Thompson's quote of how it is it is a component. We can't get rid of that. And you want to be attracted to the person you're going to be married to. And if you're not, that's that's not a good sign, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you bring this up because you mentioned those key elements of marriage, fidelity marriage, permanence within marriage, fruitfulness. These are things that while discerning a relationship, uh, discerning engagement, discerning marriage, we should see that this person holds to these beliefs um, as a means for establishing a rightly ordered marriage as we understand within the Catholic Church, those goods of marriage, faithfulness, permanence, that it's freely entered into and that we're fruitful. We're both entering into that fruitfully. That's what makes up those marital vows if you break them down. Um, it's interesting, too, because you, know, you talk about that wooing and that that spark of a relationship. Um, there are different types of words for love in Greek. And, you know, you have a self-giving love that would be agape, like that sacrificial love. You have philia, that brotherly love. And then you have eros, which is a love of passion, which is good, but we're not supposed to leave relationships exclusively at the level of passion. We need that passion, but if left alone, it becomes erotic, we could argue. And I think there's a lot of erotic love out there, fueled in some ways by romance comedy, such as what Emma Thompson herself um, plays in. I think a perfect example of this, uh, she was in a movie just this last year, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. And in that movie, it was about this woman who was widowed and didn't have a lot of spark in her marriage. And so she ends up 
hiring a sex worker um, to engage in this relationship with her. And the story, from what I've read about it, is kind of this enlightenment. And the big thing that the writers about the movie talk about is that, you know, it's different because the sex worker and her don't actually fall in love, but they both learn things about themselves. And she enjoys herself and she becomes a better mom. And it's interesting because it really all centers on how eroticism brought her there. And it was interesting reading comments online of where people went with this. And it's really because when we focus, I think, often on the erotic, it appeals to that animal-like instinct to turn to our lower faculties, but also that common human instinct um, that is oriented toward novelty. So you combine the animal dimension along with the human dimension to seek out what's new. I think the two together can be a messy place if we're not using self-control in the midst of that. And I think that that's kind of what it comes down to when she's talking, specifically Emma Thompson, that she's kind of thinking through this but hasn't fully teased it out when she says that this idea of romantic love is dangerous because it can turn in on itself. Just like in the movie she played last year, Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, like hiring a sex worker to try and feel something, it becomes about me, myself, and I. And that's Mm. a self-interested love rather than a disinterested love, which is something that therapists, especially... uh, outside of the United States. I've heard talk a lot about Christina, where they talk about the need uh, for conversation about disinterested love, whether it be in marital relationships or relationships with children, uh, that we're so often seeking things out for our own sake rather than seeking out the other for the sake of the other, which is very much so, you know, the teaching of Pope John Paul II and St. Thomas Aquinas. Yes, I I think that would be really good to bring to therapy in the U.S. because I've worked with a lot of people who have gone to therapists who have really been encouraged them to be very self-involved and self-focused. And they, when these people have come to them, if they've had troubles in their marriage and it's, it can be really problematic when you, when you do turn in into yourself rather than think about the other person. So I, I do, I think that would be wonderful for more, more couples to, to focus on. But I was also thinking about how romance can be an idol if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And many of our former bachelorettes who I, I've spoken to, who are now married, have revealed to me that they did expect to have the same, the same connection that with their now husbands as men who had, they had dated in the past, they thought, okay, well, I'm married now, so it's, I'm going to have everything in this man. But it's not like that. And romance is fleeting. And yes, we need to work on, on connecting every day with, with our husbands. But it's, it's something that in itself, it shouldn't be the, the be-all, end-all of what we are. Romance should not be the be-all, end-all of what people are seeking, regardless of what state they're in, if they're single or if they're married, it should be something that is a component of it. Yeah, and I think this is where theology is helpful, Christina. You know, looking at the comments from actress Emma Thompson talking about how uh, romantic love is a dangerous myth, I, I think that if we 
fail to see the faithful perspective that God created marriage, God created the gift of sexuality, entry, like all of this. Like we should take a note from his book and we read um, of the image of the cross, that that's at the core of our faith, especially as Catholics. You know, we have, we make the sign of the cross over and over again because it's a reminder, not just of saying the names, uh, the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that we're turning toward him and marking our bodies with the cross recognizing that we're called to sacrificial love as is seen on the cross. And I think of in John chapter 15, uh, where we read that passage, greater love has no man man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. Um, That's what we're called to, and that's what we saw on the cross. And I think that when Emma Thompson's talking about that reality check of romantic love being a myth, it's humbling as people of faith to say, Yes, it can and it is a myth because it's a choice that we fight for sacrificial love to give um, sometimes even not just the feeling, but the intellectual understanding that this person really loves me, uh, that I'm valued. And that's what we would call cruciform love. In theology, we talk a lot about Christosis, that how we all who are baptized in Christ are supposed to become little Christ. And that process is Christosis. This, And I think that that cruciform love is Something to think about, even within the context of orienting our relationships toward healthy, faith-filled marriages uh, one day, or if you're currently in them. And Pope St. John Paul II really wrote a lot about marriage as redemptive suffering and that gift of love, that sacrificial love, and that endurance that takes that sense of responsibility for the other, even the most challenging times, and even... Uh, Pope Leo Thirteenth and Cassie Canubi talked about how, you know, when the head being the head of the home, the man maybe fails in his fulfilling his role, that the heart of the home, the woman is supposed to help in balancing that out for a time, calling him back into his mission or vice versa. So I think you see those sacrificial elements so beautifully laid out in the teaching of the church that helps unpack kind of something that, that, we're trying to see articulated by Emma Thompson, but just isn't quite fully explained in these short, pithy little moments where she talks about it. Right. It's true. And she ends up, she ended up getting remarried and she is still together with her husband. They have two children, two grown children. So I know that, and I think she met him while she was working on Sense and Sensibility, but you, she does have a, a, a love story that that she's just like when we were talking last time about Kristen, um, Trista and Ryan from The Bachelorette. They were discussing, how, Trista was saying how marriage is something that they work on every day. And it seems like, even though Emma hasn't said that, it seems like that their marriage is something that they that they work on together. They've been together for a long time. So yes, it is it is definitely a mystery, but definitely a gift and, and sacrificial and marriage is sacrificial. And those are things that we always have to remember when we are, when we are in that state and when we are dating to get to that state. I know something I have to remind myself all the time in marriage and even as a mom now in the challenging moments, um, I think of where Jesus Christ himself 
made it clear his mission. And remember, we're called to enter into that mission as baptized Christians, as baptized Catholics. Uh, when he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I have to chant that that specific passage to myself sometimes like I'm not here to be served I'm here to serve and Mm. that goes against our fallen human nature but that's cruciform love that is sacrificial love and that's the blueprint that God's calling us to but if we're not keeping our eyes on faith-filled perspective with regard to love and we just follow what the culture has to say we're going to be very confused by it. Even when someone such as Emma Thompson says there's no such thing as romantic love, that's a myth. People may be embittered and say, yeah, there's no such thing. But I think you and I are saying, yeah, she's on to something. Let's unpack this because I think this falls right in line with theology. Uh, if you just stop at that statement, it's not enough and it leaves you embittered. Yes, that's true. And those, it is important, especially when you are a mom and you are doing a lot of things that you might not normally want to be doing, like changing diapers all the time. (laughs) It is important to continue saying the Lord's words over and over to ourselves because this is what we are called for. And we can, any small act of love, if done with great, if done with great love, St. Therese says something about this is, is so beautiful and it's is life-changing and and world-changing really even if we don't think we are doing something that is very um, impactful that celebrity and royal matchmaker christina pineda here on trending with tim right we'll be right back taking your questions numbers 1-888-914-9149 ask a professional matchmaker about your dating and relationship questions someone actually commented to me on facebook earlier at Wow, I didn't even know matchmakers existed. I'm very excited to listen to the show today. So send us your questions. It's free advice today from a matchmaker, 888-914-9149. Or ask your question now on social media. Just follow me at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio line, is hiring today. Several positions are available throughout the U.S. Visit relevantradio.com slash foresters to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF. An Illinois Life Insurance Society, not licensed in all states. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Taking your questions, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. I won't sing it because I can't sing, but celebrity and royal matchmaker. That's right, a professional matchmaker. Christina Pineda is with me today on your que- is with me today answering your questions. Free advice from a matchmaker. The number is 888-914-9149. Uh, we're taking your questions today. Let's actually start with an intriguing call from Connie. Questions are coming in, but I've got to take this. Connie from Arizona has a comment about her engagement. Connie, tell me a little bit about this. Hi, thank you, Timree, for answering my call. I just wanted to thank you. So it was more of a comment because you had recommended the book um, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love, I think, Edward's series. Yes, fantastic book. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And so I was having some cold feet in my engagement. I was engaged to a wonderful, wonderful man, and I thought he was going to be my forever, and we were very um, both aligned in our Catholic beliefs, but I was um, having some concerns that 
basically the book, as we broke up and I went and further read it all, realized that it was more in the romantic kind of love or the subjective love and not the true sacrificial love. And I think I was feeling that, um, but I, I just didn't want to because I really wanted, I was so ready and wanted that full um, love. And mm-hmm. so when I pressed him upon it, I did realize that, no, it was not the kind of love that he was willing to give. And so, unfortunately, we're no longer engaged. But I just do appreciate the recommendation because that book will help me in the future for sure. You know, Connie, it's interesting. I'm so glad you called in because some people might be like, whoa, that's a downer. You didn't end up getting married. But what you're saying is like, no, this was a good thing. I was able to recognize what I'm going to argue. And you could speak volumes to this because the book really focuses on how men and women love differently and women love almost idealistically in a sentimental type of way. Um, And it can be a form of objectification versus what we dream of or desire. It might be children, that perfect marriage, feeling loved rather than loving. And men tend to overly sexualize relationships so for you, um, it sounds like you were really able to identify and see some of that over-sentimentalization of the relationship and your cold feet was an indicator, but sometimes without that extra information, it's hard to kind of step back with a bird's eye view to make that decision. So props to you, Connie, because I really, really respect uh, you sharing that and being able to say no and end that engagement. If you could just speak briefly, because I know a lot of people in your similar situation where they've had that those cold feet, but maybe, you know, they're afraid of being alone or they, you know, so deeply desire marriage or children and think it may not otherwise happen for them. What helped give you the courage to say no? And then, you know, how are you hope-filled moving forward? Well, I didn't actually, I wasn't even the one. I had presented it to him that I had these concerns. And then I realized in his answer, and he did not want to then continue because I had recommended, well, then we need to do these kinds of things. And he wasn't able to pursue that. So um, it was very devastating. But when I kept on reading the book and I, I, it just gave me just, I don't know that it, I think just how it was written and just the hope of what, what I really truly want and what I'm willing to give in return. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, um, just the strength in that, you know, the Holy Spirit and praying and just staying connected with God has just really helped. So I really, I will definitely recommend that book, um, to whomever. And I will read it, and I actually highlighted a lot of it, so I'll keep it for future, because those discussion questions are really important. Yes, I highly recommend the book Connie's talking about, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love by Ed Sri. It's really based on the book Love and Responsibility by Pope St. John Paul II. Both books are a 10. You must read them. Even if you're already married and many years into your marriage, it's going to really help you reevaluate your relationship uh, and grow in that relationship in a very profound way with the words of this great saint. Uh, so check those out. We'll link both of them uh, in the episode notes. And I have a ton of questions coming in. Celebrity and Royal Matchmaker. That's right, a professional matchmaker, Christina Pineda, is with me today on Trending. Uh, Okay, let's see. So many questions coming in. First question um, came in on Facebook from Nicholas. What are some tips for asking a woman whom you do not know very well out on a date? There's a lot of hesitancy about this. Mm, Yes. Well, I think that 
when you see her, I would do it. I would do it in person if you don't have her number already, and if you're planning on seeing her again, seeing her again, I would definitely to talk to her and then ask her out in person if you can. And that's what dating is. It's getting to know someone more. It's it's not a date. It's not a marriage proposal. I say this over and over again. So if you if you just ask her, that would be. I think she'll be either very flattered and if she if she isn't flattered and she doesn't want to go out with you she'll say that and you'll know that she's not an option for you moving forward and that door will close but then another door will open or she you might get to know her more on the date and things go well or you go on a date and things don't go well and you don't want to see her again so it can't it can't hurt to ask her out and so many women want you to ask her out so please do it and if you as i said if you can see her in person great if not you can call her and I, I just don't recommend asking out via text I if you only want if you want to start with the text you could start with hi can I give you a call later on this afternoon and I just don't think it's good to be asking women out on texts Chrissy on Instagram is asking what do you do when men in a relationship project their insecurities onto you <sighs> when men start projecting their needs onto you their own insecurity. So they project their insecurity onto you. Mm, yeah, that's that's not a good sign. And I guess if you're not married, I would definitely definitely think about that as as something that you don't want to continue you might not want to continue with someone who's doing that with you, but I would definitely have a conversation about how that's that's not not that's inappropriate and it's better to yeah just have a conversation about it I would I would definitely say and see if it changes Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting because your response is basically it's a red flag but more than a red flag probably definitely a sign to break up it's so funny because I love sometimes you know we have a team of like three male producers um, that help make this show happen and uh, producers will comment often and it's funny because all the guys are saying break up (laughs) and I think sometimes I really appreciate um, that male perspective in dating relationships and why women need to um, really kind of recruit you know male feedback and perspective sometimes because sometimes I think it's a lot more black and white for men from an outside perspective um, in situations for like like that as well and so kind of helping to get that advice when you're in situations like that when you know a professional matchmaker isn't always right here and available to you but you do have that availability today so if you have a question number is 1-888-914-9149 or you can ask it now on social media where we tag Christina Pineda and matchmakers in the city you can find her at matchmakersinthecity.com okay mark had this question what do you do in a relationship where the man has stronger feelings than the woman he said it's a long distance and we are in our late 30s okay well definitely pursue continue pursuing long distance is very challenging but if you continue pursuing her and visit her and see if she warms up and if she if you feel that she's reciprocating more and she wants to move things forward, then great. Then probably one of you will have to decide if you're going, when when you're going to move to the other person. But I think it's normal in the beginning to, you're not, you can't 
quantify how much someone likes the other person. So it's, it's normal to maybe not be on the same exact footing, but you definitely want to see reciprocation as, as the time goes by with, with how she is, is encouraging you to, to ask her out and things like that. But you should be the one pursuing her to begin with. She shouldn't be asking you out. Interesting. Okay, so follow up with question comments, you know, things such as like when you say I love you in like in long distance moments where you're traveling back and forth, you know, how how do you navigate that and you know, where's the balance of maybe needing to pull back if she's not there with you? Talk to her. That is my best advice for every man in every situation because men don't often think, "Oh, well, why don't I just ask her?" But a woman will tell you. She'll say, you know, I'm just, maybe I just got out of a relationship and I'm trying to take things slowly, or I'm just not there where you are right now. I need another month and of time, or, you know, I don't see myself continuing to develop feelings for you or who knows what she'll say. But if you ask her, that's the best way to figure out what she's thinking. Mm, keen advice and is would you say that's in both directions I think sometimes we like speculate and we're afraid and we're concerned and maybe something as big as a love bomb comes up in a relationship and one isn't reciprocating or something else such as marriage comes up and there's an odd response rather than filling in the blank confronting it head-on would you say is the best advice usually I think so I do delicately and nicely and kindly and politely with love in person ideally but confronting it is the most important, is the best way to figure out what's going on. Joseph's calling from Minnesota. He said, what is the best way to go about dating a non-Catholic woman? Ooh. Mm, yes. And we want to avoid missionary dating, which means trying to convert the other person to your faith. So if it is important for you to marry someone who is Catholic, that I wouldn't continue dating someone of the other uh, who isn't Catholic unless she is taking steps of wanting to convert herself and not you just catechizing her and saying you need to do all these things in order to be my wife. You can say, I would love to keep dating you, but I do want to marry a woman who's Catholic. So that's something that is a roadblock right now. But if you change your mind then and you want to get into faith, I can help get you plugged into a church where you can learn and do our CIA program. I actually know a couple who went through something similar to that and the woman, they did take a break, but the woman did come around and say and realize the depth and beauty of the Catholic faith and she ended up converting. So that can happen. And just a few comments and thoughts there. I know, Christina, you and I have talked actually a lot about this, and I'll include links in the episode notes to conversations, but why you should really only marry a Catholic. I would never marry someone who wasn't Catholic. You've said the same thing, both personally as well as professionally. It's not something you recommend. Uh, and just a key point, something to ponder. Um, if you say, you know, give that ultimatum of I'd only marry someone who's Catholic, they that's great, but they shouldn't convert just for you. Uh, and then if you do marry someone who's not a Catholic, they must agree in order to get married in the Catholic Church, they must agree to allow their children to be raised in the Catholic faith. And that's a huge burden when there is a theological, ideological um, chasm amongst the couple in terms of presenting that unified front in front of children. Sometimes it works out great, praise the Lord, uh, but that is an uphill challenge and it's something to discern if that's 
really something you want to be challenged by uh, in your relationship. And key to remember, children are more apt to practice their Catholic faith if their father practiced their Catholic faith. If it's just mom, pretty unlikely that they will practice it in their adult years. So food for that, that's celebrity and royal matchmaker Christina Pineda. Find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. That's matchmakersinthecity.com. I'll be right back during our weekly marriage hour today on trending, talking about this gender craze and also taking a fascinating question having to do with in vitro fertilization as we've been talking about it earlier in the week and catch the episode online. Just subscribe to the podcast wherever you love to listen. But we'll talk about IVF and its impact on marriage in just a moment. Today's programming is sponsored by Colby Academy, offering a customized Catholic curriculum. Colby Academy knows the ultimate goal of education is to help our children be saints. More info at relevantradio.com Colby. So what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's our weekly marriage hour today, talking everything dating relationships and marriage and what impacts those relationships. But I want to let you know, tomorrow on Trending, Dr. Susan Caldwell will join me. She's a fertility, infertility, and women's health specialist. And we're going to take your fertility and infertility questions or those related to these issues. Uh, So please send me an email, write me on social media, call in during the show on Friday because you do not want to miss this expert diving into this issue. So call your friends, let them know this is the topic that's being discussed because infertility is on the rise and there are many solutions, faith-filled solutions that do not include damaging our bodies as women. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about IVF in a moment. But before I do, some awesome information came out of Mississippi this week. Governor Tate Reeves in Mississippi signed a bill this week outlawing sex change procedures for minors and actually punishing doctors who push cross-sex hormones as well as bodily mutilation, right, so-called gender-affirming surgery or therapeutic care uh, for anyone under the age of 18. This is fantastic news, and other states across this great nation are doing so. And it's a moment where I say, yes, we are following reason, we are following truth, and God's given plan for the human person, when at the very minimum we can say to this not being done for minors. Bodily mutilation? No. Kid hasn't even gone through puberty. Why are we giving them cross-sex hormones? But here's the deal. There's a lot coming to us with regards to legal battle that legal front surrounding gender, and we need to be prepared to engage on it. Here's the deal. These medical professionals, so-called medical professionals, are operating outside of the law and without consent. But at the same time, there's a really gray and might I argue at times black area with regard to what's happening with the law and what's being allowed for minors on the gender front. And what's scary is that California, Michigan, and Vermont through people's vote, and this is what's so shocking, uh, passed propositions, ballot measures, this past November to enshrine abortion in their state constitution. 
through all nine months of a woman's pregnancy for any reason and totally deregulating any re regulation on the abortion clinic and provider, but was also in the language of the bill that many people didn't realize even when they were voting for it, was that there was language specifically addressing and basically creating these autonomy protections for minors so that medical professionals, so-called professionals, can get away with giving cross-sex hormones and doing bodily mutilating surgery such as so-called sex change, which isn't. You can't change your sex. You can just manipulate matter. Um, they are basically created verbiage in there that likely is uh, protecting in some areas, such as Vermont, it was promoted that way, that would protect minors to do whatever the heck they wanted with hormones and surgery without parental consent. Uh, so this is something we need to speak up about. I think we're going to see a lot coming um, forward with regards to the legal battle over this. And in the meantime, medicals, uh, people who claim to be in the medical profession are giving cross-sex hormones and damaging hormones to people, puberty blockers, side effects known and unknown, uh, such as permanent damage, people having to go to the bathroom outside of their bodies and carry a bag around after having regretted these surgeries. I mean, it's horrific. So we need to call it for what it is. It's child abuse. This is a common sense law being passed in Mississippi. It's bodily mutilation and it's psychologically damaging for those people, whether minors or not, who are being encouraged into a transgender identity, cross-sex hormones, or into a so-called affirming therapeutic care such as a sex change. You can't change your sex. There's no such thing. It's just manipulating matter. And it's fascinating because at the St. Louis, Louis Hospital, Children's Hospital is actually operating a transgender clinic for minors. Well, there was a whistleblower that came out with sworn statement that she witnessed doctors at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital prescribing puberty blocker drugs to minors. Get this against parental consent. That's right. Giving cross-sex hormones that block puberty can render a person permanently infertile with a whole slew of other medical conditions. I'm actually going to link in the episode notes and on social media to an episode with a guest of mine, a young man, Abel Garcia, who tells his story because he identified as a female for a while. He had surgeries and he did cross-sex hormones and the damage to his body is just barely starting to be known and he's in his early 20s. I mean, this is devastating. So we've got to talk about this, tell the real stories, and I hope you'll listen to that episode because it's a riveting testimony that tells the truth about the horror of the pro-transgender movement and the push on minors, as well as young individuals, people who are susceptible, struggling with mental health, uh, and they're being influenced and manipulated by this sick transgender ideology that is damaging for body, mind, and soul, and we need to speak up against it. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Okay, so question came on really interesting following up on our conversation on Tuesday about in vitro fertilization, how abortion is a part of it and the impact on the surrogate, uh, among other things, as Paris Hilton sparked a conversation recently sharing uh, that she hired a surrogate for her latest baby. She, quote, used a surrogate. I mean, that should just speak volumes in and of itself. So go listen to that episode. We'll link to that as well on social media in the episode notes. Find them at relevantradio.com forward slash trending. But here's Jody's follow-up question. She emailed me, Jody from Las Vegas, said, I was wondering if a husband's sperm, being a sperm, sperm donor for IVF, is at r increased risk for addiction to porn. 
So in other words, uh, if a husband is uh, donating his sperm or using his sperm either for the relationship or just donating it uh, in the instances of intrauterine uh, insemination and IVF, is he at risk for addiction to pornography? Yeah, there is a risk. I mean, first of all, masturbation is unhealthy, it's sinful, and any pleasurable behavior often, if we're going to want to repeat and likely will repeat, if we are not striving to be in a state of Christ, being prayerful, um, we're at risk of that always. And of course, yes, it's a risk of sexual disorientation when you're encouraged to engage in physical activities to produce that on your own when that's not the way intimacy was created to be. So yes, disorientation with regard to our sexual projections, such as through porn, masturbation, or the struggle with ED is very legitimate. But her second part of her question was interesting, especially the research I found coming out of this. She said, has substantial research been done showing that couples who do IVF increase or decrease their longevity of their marriage? So this is a topic that has been online and I have been very dissatisfied with regard to the research and studies, not because it's not the answer I expect or want, but the studies are very small and usually there aren't even studies. It's comments by professionals. And when you get into many studies, it's such a small subset and it's not a long-term study or it doesn't follow enough individuals. So this is a fantastic question. So assisted reproductive technology is on the rise with the crisis of infertility. And by the way, I have a fertility and infertility specialist joining me tomorrow on Trending, Dr. Susan Caldwell, and we're going to unpack a lot of this specific topic. So be sure to join me and send me your questions or ask them live. Uh, So that's tomorrow. So stay with me. Uh, But here's the deal. Assisted reproductive technology is on the rise. We're hearing couples such as Kim Kardashian, and Julianne Huff. Um, Julianne Huff's an actress, singer, dancer, if you don't know who she is. Sadly, everyone knows who Kim Kardashian is. Uh, we're hearing a lot about couples such as these who have done in vitro fertilization who actually aren't staying together. Their marriages are falling apart. And they've both had, in Kim Kardashian's uh, situation, she's had some successful outcomes with IVF. I statistically speaking, she's probably had some failed outcomes with trying rounds of IVF as well. Julianne Huff was unable to ever have children with the rounds of IVF she did, and it totally destroyed her marriage. Um, And that's a whole nother topic. I've had episodes on her and what happened in that relationship with some of the creepy spiritual things she got into. But also what's interesting uh, information is there are countless legal battles that are coming up over battles between couples who are divorcing and there's a fight over embryos. This is a whole new type of law where lawyers are having to work through this. But here's the deal. There are clear connections that people, couples who go through IVF unsuccessfully have a three times higher um, breakup uh, rate. So basically, a Danish study published in Obstetrics and Gynecology Journal in 2014 reported that relationships are likely to end after failed IVF. But here's the deal. There's poor data regarding stats of couples who do IVF and do eventually have a child out of it. And I think this is why. I think the data is being silenced because this is a multi-billion dollar fertility industry and there are a lot of questions about this and very, very little data and information with regard to the answers. So it's something to think about and help others tomorrow by answering those questions.